Thank you. All right, grab your Bible this morning and um, open it to the first page of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Um, I did want to mention, some of you have, uh, some, some have asked uh, men in particular about man camp. And one of the things that has been asked is, um, will I be able to watch the Gonzaga game at man camp? Because that might hang me up from going to man camp. Number one, that shouldn't. But number two, yes, we will be airing the Gonzaga game at man camp. It's actually one of our traditions uh, that hope, and, and by the way, this is a hope, right? I'm hoping that they make it to that point. That will mean they need to play a little bit better <laughs> as of late. And, but uh, it just becomes a fun moment where we all kind of watch the game together and hoop and holler and have a great time. Also, I'd like to mention to the men that we will begin this spring our Thursday morning men's discipleship again. So starting on March 31st, we will begin our men's discipleship at 6 a.m. It's a time here in the auditorium to be together as men, to encourage one another, build one another up, study God's word, pray together, and just dig deep into one another's lives. So if you'd like to be a part of that as well, that will begin on March 31st at 6 a.m., which is a couple weeks from now. All right, let's jump in. Uh, throughout my lifetime, I've had the privilege of building several houses along the way, most, most of the time in my early years, but um, have always kind of been in the construction industry a little bit and have had that opportunity to do this. And many of you remember when we built this building in 2013, 2014, we kind of all jumped in. We all got to build. Uh, you probably see things in this room that you probably helped with, whether that was paint or flooring or trim or whatever. We all kind of helped in one way or another. Well, when you build a house or you build a building or you, you build something, the way we build in America, and it's, it's good to build this way, the first thing we start with is a giant, thick, concrete pad. It's the first thing we start with. And I remember the day the, the concrete trucks came out to put this pad in and they just kept coming and coming because this pad had to be large and it had to be thick. And it was really kind of cool. These guys were riding around on these skimmers. It was these giant things that just spun around and, and got the concrete all smooth and nice. And I just thought that was the coolest machine. I would like to ride that. But the guy said no, that I would mess it up. And so I didn't get to ride one. But that concrete foundation is interesting. Because everything in your building, everything in your house is attached to that foundation. Everything. The walls, the windows, the doors, the ceiling, the roof. Everything. Everything in that building is attached in one way or another to the foundation. Today, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about a biblical concept that is essential for us to trust God in because it is the concrete of our faith. It's the concrete of everything that we know and understand and believe as followers of Jesus Christ. And that foundation is trusting God as the author of life. We're in our series, Do I Trust God? 
This is one of the things that we have to trust God on and understand that everything is built upon this premise, that God is the author of life, that he is the creator, that he's the one that has given us the breath of life. Now, this truth is important because it lays the foundation for why we trust in God. Now, what I want us to see this morning, how I want us to begin this message, is to understand that the Bible is very clear about this point. Very clear. All throughout the Bible, you will see that God is the author of life. Because this truth has immense consequences. This is why believing God is the author of life, by the way, is such a volatile subject. It's why it's such a challenging subject in our culture. It's why we, we, we hear some people say, you can't talk about God and science together. No, you have to talk about God and science together because what you're actually studying in science is what God did. You can't separate the foundation of what God did. Science is God. You're actually studying God as you study science. See, the author of life as God is the author of life is very important because a person's life, our life, your life, my life, everyone's life, will take on a very different lifestyle depending on what you believe about God as a creator, as the author of life. Your life will be completely different if you believe in God than if you don't believe in God. But when you understand God as the author of life, the, the giver of all life to every creature on earth, every plant, every animal, every human life, and your own personal life, your life will be different. A life that believes God is the author and creator will live with an understanding that you are special and unique. You'll understand that you're accountable to the one that made you. You'll understand that God wants relationship with you because he made you. It affects the way we live in the world. It affects the way we see our planet. See, when you believe that God made all life on earth and he made our planet, then you will take care of the planet. You realize that the world is our responsibility. That, that, that's one of the commands that God gave us to take care of the planet. That's, that's one of our roles. It's one of our jobs. And, and you see the world as something to live in, not something to take advantage of. You see the resources of the planet as God's gifts to be cared for and to be used properly, not resources to be exploited so that I become more wealthy. You also see humanity differently. When you understand God as the author of all life, then you understand that humanity is created in the image of God. Therefore, there's no room for racism, murder, hatred, unjust war, slavery. These things are, are not to be in the heart of a Christ follower, of someone who believes that we are all created in the image of God. We are to be people that are in unity with one another, not pitting ourselves against one another or holding things and harboring things in our heart towards someone else that God has created because he is the author of life. As we look at God being the author of life, what we will discover over and over again is in God's word is that we are all equal in his sight. 
Now, the Bible teaches this over and over again. From beginning to end, the God of the Bible is declared as the author of life, the creator of life, the giver of life, the sustainer of life, and also the taker of life. The Bible could have started with any truth. It could have started with any truth that God wanted to and weaved creation in later at some point, but it didn't. It actually begins with an image of God as the author of life and the creator of life, and it ends with the image of God being the creator and author of life. And everything in between agrees with that as well, and I'd like to show you that this morning. When you look at your Bible and you look at the first page, you'll discover that God is the author of life. This truth is the foundation upon which every truth in God's word is built. And this is why it is so heavily attacked. It's also why Satan wants evolution taught to every child and why he wants every adult to believe it as well. Because it creates chaos in the human soul. But when you read the Bible, you will see that the writers declared this simple fact that they believed that God is the author of life. Let me show you that right on your first page in Genesis chapter 1. I'd like to show you a couple verses that declare to us that God created and is the sustainer and the beginner of all life. In verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if we wanted, we wouldn't need any more specifics at all. If God wanted to, he could have just ended chapter 1 with that verse and moved on to chapter 2. Because what this verse says is very simple. God created everything off the planet and everything on the planet. So it encompasses a large area, right? But that's basically what the first verse says. God created everything. But then he goes on to give us specifics. Verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. I'll talk about that in a minute, that light is an important part of creation. Verse 11, God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to its various kinds, and it was so. Turn to your neighbor and say, I thank God for oranges today. Go ahead. Thank God for oranges today. Or maybe you're a pear person or an apple person. We should be apple people, right, in Washington? Peaches, whatever. And so whatever you are, uh, here's what we see. God created all plants, all vegetation, all trees with fruit in it, all, all flowers, every blade of grass, everything created by the author of life. Because in its own way, on our planet, that is its own species of life that God breathed life into. Verse 16, God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. When you begin to study something about our solar system and about our planet, here's something you will discover. That everything on this planet that revolves through the seasons of spring, summer, fall, and winter, every single thing on the planet sustains life from the sun, from light. 
all of the things that happen in the ocean, everything that happens on the, on the earth that gives us food, all the creatures, us ourselves, everything needs light. And we get that light from the author of life who created it so that you and I could live on this planet and enjoy life in his presence. Verse 20, God said, let the water team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. It's interesting, one of my, one of my favorite things to do is to watch um, nature shows. I just love them. I love things about them. And here's what's interesting. Even today, 2022, with all of the science that we still have, every scientist says this, we have still not discovered everything in the ocean. We still have not discovered every living creature in the ocean, all of the life in the ocean. It is so immense. It is so complex. It is so unique. It is so amazing that we still, with all of our technology, have not gone to the bottom of the ocean and seen all of the creatures in the sea. Why? Because God is awesome. And God is creator. Now, if if we continue, maybe that will be true. And hopefully it will continue to manifest the goodness of God. That God has created everything, and we love it, and we get to see it. And so God's created everything in the ocean and all the birds. And isn't there so much uniqueness in birds? Just the flying creatures on our planet. There's millions of them that are so unique and awesome. And every single one created by the author of life. Verse 24. God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. Turn to your neighbor and say, I like ribs. Right? This is what we're talking about here. We're talking about ribs, T-bones, right? Nice chicken salad. This is what we're talking about. God created living creatures on on the earth as well. And every single, there's over a million of them living creatures on our planet that God created in their uniqueness for us to see that God is the author of life and he is unique. And just like the animals are special, so are you. That's God's intention. That's God's purpose for us to see. And then verse 26. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And then in chapter 2, we have an even more specific verse, verse 7, that says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. There's something unique about verse 7. And there's something unique about the words that God uses. They're always purposeful in God's word. And so many times it's important for us to dig a little bit deeper. Throughout the Old Testament, there's really two words that God uses for breath. The first one is the word ruah. 
And that word ruah is used over 400 times in the Old Testament. And it's used in contexts to talk about the breath of God and it's applied to breath, uh, to God, to man, to animals, even to false gods. This word ruah is used to mean breath. But there's another word. It's the word neshama. And neshama is the word used here in verse 7. It's only used 25 times in the Old Testament. But every time, it's used to understand that God breathed life into man. That the creator, the author of life, breathed life into man. And so this word here is very special because what it shows and what what Moses is writing and what God is trying to reveal to us is before God breathed life into us, we were just what? Dust. Dirt. In fact, science tells us what? About 98% of our body still today is dirt. And it decomposes in the ground. It just ends up in the ground again. It's, we didn't become a living being until God breathed life into us. Until the author of life gave us life. And so what we need to understand is exactly what God is saying. On the very first page, the Bible communicates that God is the author of life. This needs to be the foundation of our belief and what we trust in. Because if you don't believe this, you get off track really, really quick. If you don't understand that God created you, if you don't understand that he breathed life into you, if you don't understand that you are a very special and unique person because God created you, then you begin to have identity problems. Do we have any identity problems in our culture, in our world today? Is that in correlation possibly to the fact that we've tried to live apart from God? Yes, it is. As we as a culture, as a world, as every culture on our planet has moved away from the idea that the author of life created us and have embraced all kinds of other false ideas, evolution included, we have watched what? Identity issues grow and grow and grow. Depression, anxiety, frustration, all of those things are off the charts today. Why? Because we don't know where we come from. We don't know whose we are. And we don't understand that the author of life created us. And this is what God's word confirms. The very first page of our Bible begins it. As we move into scripture, we see that the law of Moses protected life. One of the top ten commandments is what? You shall not murder. You need to protect life. You should not murder one another. And in Numbers 35, God got a little bit more specific. He said, if anyone strikes someone a fatal blow with an iron object, that person is a murderer, and the murderer is to be put to death. Verse 17, or if anyone is holding a stone and strikes someone a fatal blow with it, that person is a murderer, the murderer is to be put to death. Or if anyone is holding a wooden object and strikes someone a fatal blow with it, that person is a murderer, the murderer is to be put to death. Now, here's what you'll see throughout the Old Testament, and sometimes it hangs us up a little bit about God. You'll sometimes and oftentimes see stiff consequences for certain things in God's word. And sometimes we go, oh, that's kind of challenging. 
But here's what we need to understand. When you see a law with stiff consequences, the stiff consequences are there to help us understand that something is very special and something very special got hurt. And God is saying that's something that is very, very special. You as humanity need to protect. And I will make a law to help you protect it and make it special. I've noticed that when we deviate from making things special and making other things special, we get off track. Have you noticed that? We get off track. Let me give you an example. Can I go on a hobby horse for one second? I watched us get off track this week as a culture. An NFL team this week signed an individual to play quarterback for them who has sexually and physically molested 22 women. But because we want him to throw a ball around, we'll dismiss that. And here's my point. When we don't declare things special and hold things special and make them special and say we don't care who violates that, we get off track. And we begin to say, as long as you can throw a ball, you can do whatever you want. And that's just wrong. And that's why God says things like this that are hard for us to sometimes read and see, but it's in those moments where we do things as a culture and we get off track because we're not obeying God. And in that moment, what we said this week are what? Women aren't important. You can treat them like trash and we don't care. That shouldn't be okay for us. But somehow we've got off track. And this in particular, this concept, this idea, I think has helped us get off track in many ways because we don't see God as the author of life. So we don't obey his word. We don't obey what he thinks is important. The prophets also declared this. They announced it. In Isaiah 42.5, Isaiah said this, This is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to all its people and life to those who walk in it. The prophets also announced that God is the author of life. Isaiah calls God the creator of the heavens and the earth. Isaiah announces that it's God who gives breath to people. And you're probably thinking, Pastor Mark, what word is that word for breath? You're right, it is. It's neshama. It's not ruah. It's neshama. It's the word that means God gave breath to all people. The creative work of God. The same word for breath as in Genesis 2-7 is here in Isaiah 42-5. Isaiah announces that everything that is walking on this planet has received its life from God. The wisdom writers affirmed it. You will see tons of verses, hundreds in Psalm, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, all of the wisdom literature pointing to God as the author of life. Let me give you two from Ecclesiastes. In chapter 5, verse 18, it says, This is what I have observed to be good. 
that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Chapter 8, verse 15. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. See, the wisdom literature will point to this as well. Solomon affirms that it is God that gives life. The New Testament writers exalted life. And in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John have gone to the temple to pray and they met a beggar who was lame and they healed him in Jesus' name and then they're called into account for this. And this is what Peter says in verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. I love Peter's title for Jesus here, that Jesus is the author of life. That's his title. I mean, he could have chosen a lot of titles. He could have chosen Savior of the world. He could have chosen my personal Savior. He could have chosen a lot of different titles. The title he chose inspired by the Holy Spirit, is author of life. Why? Because Jesus is the foundation. And in Colossians 1, we see this affirmed. In Colossians 1.16, Paul says this, For in him, him being Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Everything for Jesus. Because Jesus is also in this creation process. And he's also in the process of restoring creation to its original intent. Which is what you and I are called to live. See, the New Testament writers exalted life. And then heaven will sustain life forever. I mentioned Genesis chapter 1. The last chapter of our Bible is Revelation 22. Look at what verses 1 through 5 say. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever endeavor. In this picture, this picture of heaven, we see a river, water of life that is giving life to the tree of life that is bearing fruit 
and healing the nations. But here's what's interesting. This river of life that's healing the nations and bringing life to everything in heaven gets its origin and its beginning from where? The throne of God. The throne of God. The presence of God. The author of life. In the beginning, we see God as author of life. At the end, as we live in heaven forever, God will continue to be the author of life. This is what God intended. Life is what God decreed at creation. This was God's plan, but we deviated from it. Death is what we brought. Death is what the decision to disobey God always brings. Now, why is this important for us to trust God as the author of life? I think there's a couple reasons. Because you and I need to trust that God is the author of life and it needs to become important to us. It's important because we need to be reminded that God's plan for humanity is life, not death. As his people, this is part of our plan for our life as well. See, what we see from the very beginning is God created life. He created the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. If you do extended study, you'll notice that we were called to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but we could eat from the tree of life whenever we wanted. God's intention from the beginning was life. But in the beginning, we chose death by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's interesting that too often humanity has chosen death instead of life. And we need a reminder that life is important. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. In the knowledge of good and evil, man does not understand himself in the reality of the destiny appointed in his origin, but rather in his own possibilities his possibility of being good or evil. He knows himself now as something apart from God, outside God. And this means that he now knows only himself and no longer knows God at all. For he can only know God only if he knows only God. The knowledge of good and evil is therefore separation from God. This is what we ushered in. And our history is full of it. Our history is full of humanity choosing to live apart from God, and death has followed this way. Unfortunately, right now today, our present is full of that, isn't it? As we watch a leader flex his power and choose death upon people for no reason at all. It's still happening today. When we choose to leave God out, we naturally gravitate towards death. And we need to be reminded constantly that that's not God's plan. Another reason it's important for us to trust God as the author of life is life is under attack in our world. Life's under attack in our world. We want to end life before it's begun, and we want to end life before it's over. We're living in a very interesting time. We're ending life before it begins is okay, and we're beginning to also move to a place where 
uh, if, if we don't think you're useful anymore, we'll just kind of lock you up in that place over there. And then eventually, hopefully, we can just let you fade off into, maybe you can choose your own death day. You've probably heard the old saying, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We probably all have, but do you know its context? Do, do you know where it or originated from and what it affirms? Because God is affirming something here. In Exodus chapter 21, verse 22 to 24, God said something very interesting. He said, if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman, and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Now, what is God affirming? Life. He's affirming life. Now, why is God making the law so serious? Why is God making this particular issue so demonstrative? First, because what God wanted to declare is that what's in a woman is life, not matter, not a blob, not biology, life. Second, God is making this a very serious law and he's being very demonstrative. Why? Because he's defending what can't defend itself. Life. Life begins in the womb. And as believers in the author of life, we should also defend life. If we lose sight of the fact that God is the author of life, then we will also lose sight of the importance of life, the value of life, and we can't do that either. The last and probably the most important reason for us to trust God as the author of life is because God made a way for humanity to have eternal life. God made a way for humanity to have eternal life. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In 1 John 5, 11 through 12, it says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This concept is so important. Believing that God is the author of life is so important to us because we also need to understand that God, God created life, and then God prepared a way for us to have eternal life. Even when we messed it up, God made it new. 
Because God is the author of life. And what he's always wanted all along is for you and I to be in relationship with him and to have life with him. This is God's plan. This is God's desire. And we need to affirm that. We need to remember it. We need to not forget it. And it needs to be one of the most important things we understand. This we must trust, that God is the author of life. As his people, we have this distinct privilege of living in the life that God provides. We also have a distinct privilege to communicate that God is the one who has brought that life. Lest we forget, we go astray. Trusting God as the author of life will also change our life. It'll change our thinking, change our understanding, change how we see the world, change how we see humanity. It will change what happens to our life. And most importantly, it opens the door of heaven when we believe God is the author of life and the author of eternal life. These things are true. These are the things that we are trusting. This is the word we are trusting, and this is what you and I are called to trust all the days of our life, that God is the author of life and the giver of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Would you stand with me? Would you pray with me as we end? Jesus, this morning we've taken time to see truth laid out in your word, stretched out before us, given to us by God. I pray that we would understand how important it is that you are the author of life. This is the foundation of, of all of our theology. It's the foundation of everything we believe, everything we hope for, everything we live in today. It all comes from you, the author of life. I pray that you would help us to be people that understand that in a very important and significant way. That we would never lose sight of how important it is that you are the author of life. Lord, we want to be people that have a strong identity in you. Not in this world, but in you. Help us to not lose sight of that. Help us to understand how special you are and how special we are because you created us. And we pray that you would, this would be something that would lead our thinking and our lives moving forward. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, that you are the author of life, that you created each and every one of us in this room special and unique, and you have special and unique purposes and plans for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. It's great to see you this morning. Thanks for being in church. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.